to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome back to Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Week and as always, and his name is in the intro, so he really doesn't need an introduction, I have Logan Stump. See, I thought you were going to say stoppage time. I feel like you were going to. It was like <laughs> no. a weird pause. No, I was I, I was like, do I say stateside or the stateside? I was <laughs> trying to figure stateside. out the, yeah. It's uh, like I guess the Ohio really State. Matter. We want to be like the, the Ohio State. We want to be very professional. Right. Yeah, the logo officially says the stateside soccer show. Yeah. Uh, but how are you doing today, Logan? Uh, Long time no there. talk. I know. It seems like just yesterday, to be honest. Um, but it was. No, I, I'm, I'm good. I, you know, trying to keep up with all these things. They're coming really quick. So uh, we got another one Friday. But overall, uh, I think sporting was – uh, even though it was a little hard to find some research on these guys, I think it was uh, e- one of my easier ones just because uh, I think there's some major issues and then there's some um, definitely some, uh, some good things. So how are you doing? Eh, making it through. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Hey, but the good news is we do have vaccination news. So that's, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. pretty. Sounds like there's going to be now four. So that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, sign me have. up. Yeah, exactly. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, not uh, not much going on. So just ready for the season to start. There was news that the union will have fans for the Champions League match. Uh, so just waiting to hear about tickets because I really want to go to that. So yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it so far. Um, you know, we have... Uh, we've been really busy. We've been doing stoppage time soccer show. Uh, you know, I I've had the Marvel podcast, uh, do the infinity saga and beyond. I've been doing some Pokemon content on YouTube. So it's been a, it's been a busy, busy few weeks, but, uh, we're, we are launching a YouTube channel for the stateside soccer show as well. So you can look us up there. We're going to add that to the link tree there, but, uh, going to start doing some video podcasts and just some other side content i think as well especially when we get into the summer and logan is uh, not working it's always fun i love i love summer i'm a teacher so that's why i'm not working there's no other reason but exactly that so no, it'll be good I, I tell you who, who did have a busy week jordan and we keep forgetting to do this how about sacramento they had yes. a not so fun 
week. And it really did. A hint of optimism. I think it was today or yesterday. Yeah, I saw that go across, but yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know, Sacramento was supposed to be the 30th expansion team in MLS. Uh, For whatever reason, MLS decided to announce this before any paperwork was officially signed. And this was like announced like a year and a half ago. And the owner, uh, the main owner decided to drop out last Friday and uh yeah so now mls is scrambling for who their 30th team is going to be um though that hint of optimism i was just saying is it seems like the uh, mayor of sacramento is saying that he's had some business people reach out to him to kind of replace that main investor which would be great to keep them on track because while sacramento is not a huge market right it is i think it's bigger than austin um when you look at size of market and they have the fan base already there with the Sac Republic, they have a mayor that's committed to and local government committed to this team. And look, I, I don't really want a team in Vegas, uh, right? I don't really want a team. That's where everybody's going. I mean, yeah. it seems to be the very popular destination, but I agree. I don't, I don't like when teams just fall back on Vegas. Right. I mean, can Vegas support a lot of teams? I know there's a lot of locals there, but really Vegas is like a touristy town right? where, you know, yeah, it'd be great if I went to Vegas and then like, was like, Oh, let's catch a game. But you know, Sacramento, they've put in the work. They've, they've been in the other leagues. They've done, they already got the brand. They already got the identity. It would just be really uh, easy. And it would be nice if they can find a replacement uh, major, you know, um, what's it called a majority investor um so that was a little that was a little sad news but i i think i'm gonna have to go with the optimism here and hope that that happens because they got time right there was no real other bids that people are talking about at this point so uh, if i was mls i would want to honor the the sacramento uh because then you can burn a whole bunch of fans in that area too uh so that's what you kind of want to avoid is yes. Even though the majority investor pulled out, if then somebody does come and replace them and you turn your back on them, then uh, it creates some sort of ill will there, I think in the city. And I, I, you know, they, one having, I'm a basketball fan. So I'm watching the NBA and watching Sacramento. They, I will say they have a very tough time with fan bases. I know, Sacramento for a very long time has always wanted to move out of Sacramento. I mean, there's, I think for 10 years there straight um, when they were really good, when they had Chris Weber, Vladi Divac and that ownership group, and he's part of an ownership group. So it'll be interesting to see if he has any interest in, in possibly ganging up with some people just like an LAFC, but you know, I, I, it's a tough fan base for basketball, but then what I've heard from Sacramento Republic is that they were one of the best supported their USL. So, uh, you know, I think covering, I, I listened to extra time today and they had Evan Ream on who covers Sacramento and he was talking about how excited, and this was back, I think in 2019 is when they announced that they were coming in uh, MLS and they, the, the, the game right after that announcement was like filled to the brim, people just clamoring to the stadium. Yeah, they've and, always had a good fan base uh, right. there for whatever reason, and I think they're usually one of the top markets of watching soccer as well. When 
when those get published. Right. I was going to say, cause they were, they were, I think number one with, uh, with the U S women's national team. I think they were the number one market. If I can remember correctly, when we were doing that podcast a couple weeks ago, but again, I, I feel horrible for them. I really do. I know, you know, I didn't have a sports team in my city. And if something like that would have happened to just get a sniff of a professional sport in my town, which uh, as a person that lived in a town without professional sports, you just start to like really itch for one. You just, you want that ability to leave work or go, you know, on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday, like I'm going to get to do this year and just head down to the stadium and just be in that environment. And the place that it was going to be in Sacramento, I guess, was a place that had been at one point very popular. And then they, they it was like a, I think it's like a train yard or something where a lot of the bus and trains were going through. So it was kind of lively. They had some retail uh, up in that area and it, it had gone kind of to waste at that point. And so when they were, when they were talking about doing it, they created this huge, I guess there's like a huge hole down there where that stadium was going to be. And now it's just going to sit empty unless they can get, but again, some positive light came out of that news today. So I, I'm hoping that they get a team back over there. Yeah, I hope so. That would be, like I said, the ideal, uh, the ideal option there. I can't think of another market besides, I don't know, Baltimore that deserves a team more than Sacramento. Maybe they can do that. Maybe, maybe the Baltimore market now picks up. Um, but then again, you're, you're going to have to do some realignment. I, I never do understand why. I mean, I guess eventually oh, it might happen. There's no problem for realignment in MLS. Right. I was going to say they're just going to so kind of move times. teams. Um, I was thinking about too, I was like, Nashville's always been like when they have a team, they're usually West coast. Like they're considered West coast. Cause they're in that, that area where they like to just shove them to the West. But then again, St. Louis will have one. So what are they? Because they've always been considered East. So I, I know <laughs> well, <laughs> that doesn't make Nashville, any sense. Geography. I don't think. Well, St. Louis actually was uh, NFC West, weren't they? Yeah, they were, but then <laughs> which like, was bizarre. So then, but then baseball's got like the central. So would yeah, we yeah. have like a central division. Like what you know, how does that? Work? Well, Nashville, so. Nashville was the, in the West for the first two right. games of their existence, right. and then once MLS is back up, and they moved them to the East. So it makes sense. <laughs> They're just like, let's just move teams. Let's move Orlando to the West Coast because that's uh, why not. Don't put it past them. We've had Sporting Kansas City there. We've had Houston right. there in the West. They've been in the both of them have been in the East. They've yeah. been all over the place. Well, Houston fans should be used to that. They their baseball team got moved. They're, you know, everybody jumps around to those divisions. Yeah. Um, NFL was the same way though. So, I, I guess when you're creating a league like this, this is this is bound to happen. You can't. You're, you're going to have to figure as that you continue out. expanding, right? Because you're going to have teams yeah. that can't. Really, just... if you're on the East Coast, you're you're pretty much safe to be in the Eastern Conference for right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then uh, at some point there will be the cutoff line. Right. Um, because Minnesota could have even really been on the That's East. That's what I was I mean, thinking, it, yeah. It really, it, but, you know, this is not your typical, you know, we, we have some different cities than than some of these other leagues do as well. Right. Um, but, yeah, so I think that was all we really needed to catch up on. We, we, we caught up on some stuff last episode. We're catching up on the Sacramento news. Um, there's rumors of – uh, well, actually, we could talk about this too. Weston McKinney uh, just is officially a Juventus player. They purchased the option uh, from Schalke. So Juventus have paid the 20 some million euros, and uh, McKinney is now full time Juventus. 
I like it. It sounds cool. <laughs> he is, uh, of course, and he's looking at Schalke going, you have no other option. <laughs> you right. got yeah, to get rid to. of me or not. <laughs> um, I think Juve had to as well. I think if, yeah, he, had, if he met a few things, I yeah. think they had to purchase. I think it was like the Angelino thing. If he hits a certain amount of games played or minutes played, he right. has to, you, you have to, that, that clause is um, put into place. So. so yeah, we're almost on the West. Uh, and then we really got to kick it into gear because you know what? I just realized too, as I was s- sitting up late last night, I said, once we finish the West, we're still not halfway done all of these teams. Right. Yeah. We got, s- <laughs> what is it? There's like 12 s- in the West yeah. and 14 in the East. Yeah. <laughs> or something. I was like, doing the math and- last year. So there's 13 right. in the West and 14 in the East. Yeah. Cause I was doing the math. I think we're down to 17 total now that we still have to do. Um, after this one, I think so. so. Pretty much like three a week. We gotta bust out like three a week. Yeah. So coming fast and and very quickly. Uh, that's the same word. Um, fast and heavy, I guess you would say. But we're not really that heavy. <laughs> Just bending. So. Think for yourself. It's it's quarantine. <laughs> I've I've picked up a few. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I guess we should introduce introduce our guest, huh? Yeah. So yeah. Who uh, who do we got this week? Yeah, so we are going episode. to be, yeah, this episode, I know I got to get, one of these times, Jordan, I promise you, I'm going to be saying the wrong player or the wrong group or the wrong coach, just because I'm going to be like, you know, I'm just going to go with, you know, the Portland Timbers when I'm talking about Seattle or something, and that'll really offend some people, but that'll offend both teams. Yes, but we're talking to Sporting Kansas City today. We're talking to Jimmy Mack and Dan Kuzer of the No Other Pod, and they cover, obviously, Sporting Kansas City. They do a, a really nice job to the um for the fans over there and, and that's a pa- that's a passionate fan base so they've got a pretty good following and i think that they're going to be great and breaking down exactly uh, what this sporting kansas city team is as i was doing some research and really you know focusing on last year and trying to get an understanding of what this team was but uh, i'm sure they can explain a lot better than we can all right well let's go ahead and welcome them in our guests here jimmy mack and dan kuzer how are you guys today Doing, doing well doing great thanks for having us on yeah thanks for thanks for jumping on so our our first question here usually to our guests is just uh where uh people can find your work and when you started covering the team or even became a fan of the team uh you know or when you started following uh the team uh so i guess we'll start with you jimmy Sure. Yeah. So you can check us out at uh, No Other Pod. It's podcast available anywhere you can get podcasts. Check us out on Twitter at No Other Pod. And uh, yeah, we we've been doing this podcast for oh gosh, uh, three and a half years now, almost four <laughs> years. Um, we we started because uh, Dan and I have known each other for oh, I don't know six seven years at least something like that, and uh, we met through uh, something called the the Victory Project, which was a thing Sporting KC was doing to help. Uh, it's their like nonprofit arm that they help kids who are in, in need. Typically they help us kids uh, help kids in cancer or who are fighting cancer. And uh, they had like a volunteer uh, program that we, we took part in and, and that's how we met and we became friends. We're talking about sporting KC soccer. One day Dan texts me and he goes, why don't we have a podcast? We might as well record what we're talking about. <laughs> and I did my, oh, yeah, good idea. And then the next day he was like, no, really, when are we, when are we starting a podcast? <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, we're starting a podcast. And one thing led to another and, uh, and here we are. So it's, yeah, man, uh, we both became fans like in 2014, yeah. um, 
kind of right after Sporting won the cup, which I didn't even know that happened. I was just taken to a game. <laughs> a friend just took me and they were like, yeah, they won the championship last year. I was like, oh, what is that? I see a lot of years painted on the wall. What's that about? Yeah. Uh, so it was just kind of a cool thing. And I fell in love with the environment and, and the rest is history, man. Now we're, now we're crazy fans. Yeah. And I'm not even, I, I grew up in Los Angeles. I'm born and raised in LA and uh, I moved out to Kansas City January of 2014, and, and I was tangentially aware of, of sporting Kansas City. was never a Galaxy fan. LAFC wasn't a thing, obviously. Chivas was whatever. Yeah, you weren't and, a Chivas uh, fan. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's kind of a similar story. I, I went to a, a U.S. Open Cup game um, after uh, going down to that area. There's a big furniture store. We were buying furniture. I'm like, oh, it's a stadium. That looks kind of cool. It sounds like they're having a party. Went to a game fell in love even though we lost it was like a 3-1 loss to the portland timbers next thing you know we're doing a podcast and four years into it here we are as i said i i was listening to you guys before this i've listened to at least three or four of them i listened to one after the playoff game um i listened to one where i think you guys were doing some kind of post-mortem with um beasler and just like uh, (laughs) (laughs) sorry about it but um but again, I, you know, just listening to you guys, it's a lot of fun to listen to just start off. I was listening to the tuba story uh, today when you guys dropped that one, um, uh, yeah. Jimmy about takes out uh, the Oregon fans. So yeah, um, always a pretty funny one. And who's the story about kidnapped? Uh, I was like, what? He got kidnapped. So uh, pretty fun Real stuff. Story. Yeah, it's <laughs> like an, live. Yeah, right. It's an awesome podcast. But I really like what you Thank guys you. have done Thanks. over there. Yeah. We have fun. Yeah, yeah we, we make it up as we go. Right. <laughs> So it's interesting uh, that you guys mentioned that both of you start following, you know, after the 2013 cup win, I, we actually, that's the first, uh, first time I met Logan. Uh, we both worked at Disney world uh, in the college program and uh, we roomed together and Logan wasn't uh, really aware of, of MLS at that time or soccer as a or whole soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was a diehard. So I was watching the MLS cup final uh, with SKC in there and um I think I was actually rooting for you guys uh, in that one, but um, nobody wants to root for RSL. So <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, but, uh, but, you know, just to kind of like, that means you guys kind of missed, uh, I feel like the whole atmosphere around the team and everything really changed with the stadium and with the rebranding of the to sporting KC, you know, being able to shed the KC wizards, uh, you know, history, I feel like really helped. Um, and also your, your jerseys and colors are just really class. Like uh, I really love those. And the one that you're wearing right now, Dan is actually like, uh, I really wanted to get that one, especially (laughs) because it's just uh, one of my favorite MLS uh, kits. So, um, but yeah, do do you have any friends or any, or anybody that was aware of like when they were the wizards and, uh, or is it really like, do you feel that it has become more important to the city since they rebranded and moved to, to the stadium as well? You know, I went, I know I went to a wizards game with like my fourth grade soccer team or something like that. (laughs) Um, But then just kind of got more into basketball and football as I grew up and uh, forgot even forgot Kansas city even had a soccer team, but the uh, gosh, the rebrand, everyone just became more aware and their jerseys just kept being fire their fan experience altogether. I just, you know, I knew I had to have season tickets and I'm not usually the kind of guy who jumps on the bandwagon, but 
in my defense, I didn't know they won the cup the year prior. So <laughs> right. I was like, I, I'll get on the bandwagon. Sure. It's also right. your he's leaving team, out, right? So he's I mean... leaving out. He's an Alabama football fan. Oh, bandwagon. I, see that. <laughs> I have family in Alabama. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but awesome. uh, it's, it's just that it's an experience, man. And it didn't it, win or lose. You always have a good time. And, and this, the stadium was a huge advocate for that. I think. Yeah. And, and growing up in LA, obviously I never experienced when they were the Wiz or the Wizards, but the, the, the coolest thing about the rebrand and what they've been able to do in moving from that era to the Sporting KC era. And, and we've had uh, the, the creative director for Sporting KC on our podcast. And, and I've heard him talk about this a couple of times is he was like, we made a point when we did the rebrand that we were not rebranding to target soccer fans we were rebranding to target kansas city fans mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing that's been most successful about sporting kc over the last 11 12 years since the rebrand is people come not because they're huge fans of soccer although that is a part for many people who are there people come because sporting kansas city games are the place to be in kansas city when there's a game going on they know it's fun they know there's energy like you can't get anywhere else uh it, it's become sort of just like a culture in and of Kansas city in and of Kansas city on its own. Well, uh, and, and it's and affordable, it's, Jimmy. It's not like exactly. a chief's ticket sure. that's right. going to set you back a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Right. And there's just, I mean, now sporting KC has its own bar and pub that it runs in the power and light district, which is like the party area of downtown Kansas city. So it's just continued wow. to grow until it, it, its own thing that's sort of taken over Kansas city. I was going to yeah, say, what's it, up with the chiefs not jumping on the blue with bandwagon? It seems like they're, they, they got some color change needed in that, that title <laughs> town that you guys are building out there in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, we'll see one day if they do something about that name, which every year <laughs> right. gets a little bit, a little bit trickier. It gets so a little closer. Yeah. <laughs> it might be it's an opportunity. Up, though, like, like Pat Mahomes, uh, they, 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 they've shown him like at the game with like the drum and, you know, being in the f- stands with the, the fans and deal. such. So yeah. Yeah, it seems like everybody's really embraced it there, which is which is great because you know when you see like highlights of when it was the Wizards and they're playing in, I think they were playing at Arrowhead at one point, and it's just like not a lot of fans, you know. And it's just uh, when I first started really paying attention to MLS was like right when they were transitioning from the Wizards to SKC, so I really saw that like happen, and it was uh, really awesome to see. So uh, I can't wait to go to a game there at some point. I'm trying to get to every stadium, so I uh, really want to be able to stop by one time because it just looks like a blast yeah it, it's fun and and you know Mahomes comes to games uh, Travis Kelsey Tyree Kill they've been to games and it's it's something we've talked about and that like you know the biggest challenge in recruiting players to a team like Kansas City is the fact that Kansas City is not New York it's not LA it's not Miami it's not Chicago but with the success of a team like the Chiefs and an international star like Pat Mahomes who comes to games like we've actually talked about like this could be in a weird way, like a recruiting tactic for Sporting KC, because now that the Chiefs are Super Bowl winners and Patrick Mahomes is the biggest name in the NFL, which is and he signed that, for how many years, right? <laughs> yeah, ten years, five hundred yeah. million dollars or whatever. <laughs> and so it's 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 putting you know uh, Alan Polito, our, our designated player striker, who who came uh, from Mexico. Literally, the first thing he did, he landed in Kansas City and went directly to a Chiefs game at Arrowhead Stadium, and then he was at the Super Bowl in Tampa this year cheering on the Chiefs so it's like it's it's just a thing that's sort of making Kansas City more known in the international sports world kind of cool yeah awesome all right so I think we'll get into those questions now the, the hard-hitting question uh and 
the first one off the top and listening to you guys talk about it and, and kind of that review after the playoff game and reading through things, watching clips back and just kind of thinking about last season. Um, tell us what were some of those expectations in 2020 last year? Uh, and did the team really meet those expectations or, you know, because they were shown the door a little sooner, is that something that the team took away as a negative thing? Dude, when the whole year as a whole, it just, it's, it feels like it didn't even happen. I mean, 2020 was just so weird. And, and are we going right. to have a season? Okay. We're going to have right. a little bit of a season and then we're going to have a, we're going to start it with a tournament that kind of matters, but doesn't matter. It was just so strange. And then we got plagued with some injuries and our guy, Alan Polito was out for a bit towards the end. And so our expectations were very high for starters. And then it just kind of went to like, can we just fast forward? I mean, this is tough. And then, then we made the playoffs, got the number one seed. Uh, but it didn't feel great because we didn't play everybody. You know, sure, we got the number one seed because we played Colorado and Houston four times a piece, you know, Minnesota a few times as well. But uh, it was just tough. It's tough to put that in, into any more words than that um, and saying that we were very high on it and then we were just ready to wash our mouth of it and move on. Well, especially after, so it was what, 2017, 2018, I forget the exact year when, when Sporting KC traded away Dom Dwyer to Orlando City. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was obviously a big deal to a lot of Sporting KC fans because he, you know, even though he, he wasn't coming off his best year with SKC, he was a fan favorite household name. And so you go from that to about three years go by until you finally sign the guy at Stryker. And every, every transfer window, you're hearing, we're, we're, we're doing our best. We're trying to find our designated player striker. Rumors come, links come, and, and, and the signing never comes. So finally, in the offseason, between 2019 and 2020, you get the club record designated player striker signing for like $9.5 million. And, and we're finally going into this being like, this is it. This is maybe the season. Felipe Gutierrez gets hurt. He was our best player before Polito came. So we're like, okay, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Win those first two games of the year, feeling real good. COVID hits things kind of fall apart do okay but but don't advance in the MLS didn't just win Jimmy we spanked them first two yeah. games it well, was, it was like, like what this is Vancouver great. and I don't even remember who they in Houston and Houston yeah mm -hmm. so it, it just it was this weird mishmash and yeah we we won the west technically in the regular season being you know first place but but as Dan said there was this feeling among Sporting KC fans that it it didn't feel legitimate and and I went into the playoffs just like expecting the hammer to drop at any moment because I was like this this doesn't feel like we were actually tested and and unfortunately it kind of seems like that's that's what happened so is it a success I don't know that it's a success I don't know that it's a failure I I, I would say it's disappointing but I kind of look at all of last year and be like there was there's so much weirdness happening that I don't know that we could really call it a failure all things considered Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think especially missing that time. And then when Polito does come back and he plays like he played it, it you know, looking back at the season and, and right after the MLS got, or the MLS is back, you had like a stretch there where it wasn't as consistent. It wasn't as good. Mm -hmm. And then reading some of the inconsistencies in the back, it, it seemed like yeah. it was due to, in fact, the fact that they just didn't have the time and preparation to really get a team together and get going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, Polito and Gaddy Kinda were our two biggest signings, arguably last year, obviously. And, and and it's just, you'd start, you'd have preseason and then you stop and you have your five month gap and then you'd start and then you'd stop and you have like another month and a half gap. Mm -hmm. And then you'd start, you could just, 
never really felt like they got into a flow. There were defensive problems throughout the entire year last year. Just it wasn't even like there was like technical problems with the defense. It was mostly just silly mental mistakes that would happen late in games or offset pieces. And and you could tell, I mean, we talked to Tim Melia, our goalkeeper a couple of times and Tim is the nicest, most, you know, kind person you'll ever meet. And he's always taking the blame on himself or whatnot. And, but you could start to feel that there was some frustration with like, we can't keep doing this. And I can't mm-hmm. keep getting put in these positions where like, <laughs> right. give the ball away inside our own box and suddenly I'm one-on-one with nothing to do yeah he only had to save PKs because he was put in an impossible position in the right. first place right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh speaking of that game with with the earthquakes pushing all the way to uh 3-3 and going into <laughs> going into penalties but that's got to be one of the best uh performances by a goalkeeper in the playoff penalty shootouts ever he was just so clutch uh, with his three saves. Just beasted it. I mean, leave it to Wando to, to you know, to make it interesting. But uh, yeah, Tim just had to shut it down, man. That was crazy. It's it's unreal. I've never seen a goalkeeper who like, so what's this? It's something like 80% of penalty kicks are converted thereabouts. Mm-hmm. I've never watched a goalkeeper. You know, I'm, I'm an Everton fan. So we've had good goalkeeping <laughs> and bad goalkeeping throughout, you know, ever. But um I've never watched a goalkeeper who, when a penalty kick is, is, is coming, I don't feel scared. I'm just like, this is 50, 50, whether this is going in or not. And like, statistically, he's actually much better than 50, 50 in in MLS play. It's wild. I don't know. We've asked him like, what's your secret? And it's just, he's preparation and studying or whatnot, but it's gotta be something more than just guessing. Cause at this point it's, it's beyond a trend. He looks confident. I mean, when he steps up on it, it's like, he knows exactly where that person's going to place it. That, that look in his eye. I mean, the three that he saves, I mean, it's just, I'm going to save these and you're going to expect me to save these and I'm going to do it. So it was just that look. And, and sometimes I think it's just that um, and it's funny that you say you're an Everton fan. We have a, we do a stoppage time, which is our, we do the English side with a guy named Matt. That was our roommate. And he is all over Jordan Pickford for the yeah. the Van Dyke stuff, but <laughs> yeah, he's, but he's he, a Liverpool again, fan, I'm sure. Yeah, but then again, he you know the inconsistent goal or keepers have been just kind of a trend lately. So it's been it's been interesting to see keepers like him step up that confidently and, and be as successful as he has been. Well, and and it's not like Kansas City doesn't have a history of fantastic keepers with Tony Viola and Jimmy Nielsen and, right. and Tim now is at that point where if he can get an MLS cup, he might be the best of all of the Kansas city keepers. You know, they're, they're already having those conversations of where does Tim rank amongst these keepers? And the only thing that that's holding them back right now is an MLS cup. And and it's not on him. Like if you, if you look at the advanced stats, Tim Elias, since he won the job, which is a crazy story in and of itself, you know, the, the expected goals to actual goal score differential, he's like, top two just like right there with Stefan Fry since like 2015 or whenever since he won the, the job and it, it's his value is unmatched for the team um moving on a little bit to some of that turnover of the roster that's happened uh you know Matt Beasler who has been at KC for so long moving to Austin uh Felipe uh, Gutierrez might be uh moving on the departures of Gerso Fernandez and Eric Hurtado Winston Reed uh, are you guys worried at all about the departures? Um, and also what does a uh, departure of like Matt Beasler, who looked to have been maybe staying there for his whole career, moving on to Austin, how, how's that going in uh, the city of Kansas city? 
you know, it, it's tough. We talked about this the other day about how we're pretty confident in the starting 11 and how maybe there's a, maybe there's a question about the left wing. All right. We're not really sure what goes down there, but everyone else on the field sounds good. It's if one of them go down, I don't know how I feel about uh, any backups coming in. Got a lot of young guys, you know, chomping at the bit, trying to get in. So maybe it's someone's opportunity to step up or, or what, but I, you'd like to think another signing or two are coming, but it's, it's hard to say because Peter Vermees was on a call this week and was just like, nah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Beasler, honestly, weirdly, this is going to sound weird. Wasn't actually that much of a surprise if you followed Sporting KC last year, because he just, he fell out of favor and could not work his way back into the lineup. Right. Basically, no matter what. Injuries and, and a little bit too. Some of it was injuries and he started to kind of get a little bit more injured off and on throughout the last couple of years, but it was pretty clear about halfway through the restart after MLS is back. I mean, even in MLS is back, but it, once we got, you know, five, six games into that restart and Beasler was nowhere to be found anywhere in the starting 11 ever. Uh, and it became pretty much Reed and Poonchech who were, who were the, the favorite two. Um, it, it started to become pretty clear that, you know, especially it being an option year for him, this may not work out anymore. And, and really it came down to bees understandably thinks he's a starter in MLS. And I think Peter had a frank conversation with him said, Hey, we'd love to have you back. It's probably not going to be in a starting role. And he, you know, he went on his way and, and it's, it's understandable. I mean, Josh Wolf, the, the coach of Austin, he played for uh, Kansas city. So there's right. a connection there. Um, so, you know, we still love these. I mean, we wish him the best. He'll always, he'll, he's going to be a sporting legend on the first day it's, it's possible. He'll, he'll name, his name will be up there with, with the rest of them. But, uh, but yeah, like Dan said, I'm not actually that worried about the defense. I'm really not that worried about the midfield either, either even though Felipe Gutierrez is gone because he, he didn't play last year. It's that front line where we lost Jerso, who wasn't a consistent starter on the left wing, but, but now basically our de facto left wing is Kyrie Shelton, who he's good, but he's really better on the right side. But the problem maybe, is maybe Daniel Shallowy steps up this year and decides to get back be. into form. I don't know. He had a hell of a year a couple of years back. Could be. Yeah. It's just the problem is if, if Polito or Johnny Russell go down, Kyrie's also the de facto number two at both striker and right wing. So suddenly you're left with either Daniel Shallowy, who may or may not be in form on the left wing or guys you've probably never heard of Tyler Freeman, Wilson Harris, Aussie Cisneros like these are not household names so you just named a whole lot of teenagers my man <laughs> yeah <laughs> Gianluca Buzio though might have to go and play on the left wing even though he's more of a, a, a midfielder and he wears the number 10 now yeah they might have to put him on the left wing because there's nobody else well that's so. what I'm going to ask you is that an option at the left wing is Buzio uh, is that somebody that they could rely on to put in some really good minutes there because I know he's kind of playing they do that dual eight they don't really have that 10 that mark 10 that you would normally have is is buzio an answer there he mentioned he uh this week he actually said he wants to wear the number 10 yeah. on the field and uh peter was like okay sure and uh i think he he's kind of that utility player last week last year he played the number six a little bit uh i think they threw him in the wing on occasion and i think i think he can go wherever you put him yeah, I think he could be forward if, if you really, if you were really hurting for it. He's played a false nine before when we, yeah. cause there was a time last year when Polito was hurt, Hurtado was hurt and Kyrie, he, he either was hurt or was playing on the wing. There was something going on. Yeah, that was um, weird. Johnny was maybe with the Scotland national team or something. I don't know. So Polito, uh, Buzio, he's, he's, he can play false nine. He, 
he probably will get time at left wing. Um, it's just a question of really, I think the biggest question of, of what happens with Buzio is how much is Roger Espinoza going to play? Is, is Buzio and Kinda are they going to be sort of those dual number eights and, and alternate pushing into more of the attacking role and, and Roger comes off the bench or are they going to feel confident having Roger on there, even though he's what now 34 or something like that? Yeah. I think he's 34. And uh, yeah, and then Buzio might have to, to flip over to the left wing and then they'll have to figure out what to do with Kyrie Shelton. Well, you mentioned that he had, uh, Buzio has been linked to God and everybody over in Europe. Uh, I think I think all of Italy was linked to him at one point, Juventus, Fiorentina, uh, Roma, Napoli. Do you think that it's possible he doesn't finish the season with Sporting Kansas City? That's interesting. I would say anything's possible because one thing about Peter Vermees is, is he, he always has said, you know, he'd rather let go of somebody a year too early than hold on to someone for a year too long. Um, if the and, price is right. Peter will sell that stock. No problem. Yeah. Now the other thing about Peter though, is he's also said, we have to make sure it's not just a good fit for the club, but also for the player. You know, he's, he, he doesn't want to send Buzio over to somewhere where he's not going to be able to succeed. Buzio so wants gonna, to go. He's been very vocal about that. He's like, yeah, that's a goal of mine. Yeah. I think it really just depends on can Buzio take that leap this year. Because Sporting KC reportedly has a very high price tag on Buzio. They, the, the rumors are that Sporting KC wants $10 million for him. That's and it. what Buzio has put on the field so far is not a $10 million player. Right. Can he make that leap this year? If he does in the first half of the year and someone comes along and is willing to pay that, I don't think Sporting KC can pass it up. Be interesting. So has that changed a bit since the Eric Palmer Brown situation? Because I feel like there was kind of like an issue where Eric Palmer Brown wanted to go quite a few times, and there was kind of always these talks and rumors, and it would kind of break down, it seemed, from the outside. So I didn't know if that was maybe they had another, what did they have another high price tag on him before they eventually let him go? Or it, it was a few million that they wanted, and I don't think yeah. people any, ever got close and, and and that's the weird thing about mls and roster rules is obviously peter wants to do what's right for the club and the player but then you start if, if the club really thinks okay epv is worth three four million and someone's only coming in and offering you know one and a half million you know there's only so much you can actually put toward your you know game day right uh, roster and all that stuff so then you start thinking okay what's more valuable to us selling lower than we want at one and a half million or retaining epb's mls rights if he goes over to europe it doesn't work out and then we come back and we have right of first refusal because at the time he was still kind of like this might be the center back of our future now he may never come back he might stay over there forever but i think that was sort of the positive spin at the end when they didn't sell him is if he ever comes back he's coming to skc or someone's gonna have to pay us for his rights Mm -hmm. i don't think that's gonna happen with buzio though i think that it it seems like it's a matter of time. You know, it's just a question of will SKC hold strong on that 10 million valuation or right. will they have to bring it down a bit? But I think it's interesting too, because I mean, if you look around the league, uh, obviously horrible things happen. Like Jordan Morris gets his shot. He finally goes. Uh, and I think that that's what for me has been really good. I, it, it let the player go like a Mark McKenzie, like uh, Brendan Aronson, let them go Daryl DK to go see what they can do in Europe. And yes, they might not be quite that price tag, but at least let them go and see and get their feet wet in Europe and see if that's a viable option. If it's not, they come back with some European experience. And that's something that I think an 18 year old, I think he's 18 going on 19 um, would definitely benefit from, because it just looks like he has so much poise for a teenager. It's unbelievable. 
Good point. Yeah. Good, good examples too, uh, with those comparisons you named. That's, that's a good point. Well, and it's happened with a current sporting KC player in Roger Espinoza. He went over, played Wigan. with Wigan, yeah. won an FA yeah. cup, did it for a couple years, maybe didn't turn out exactly how he wanted to in the long run, though he won a cup, came back to sporting KC and now is finishing out his career here. So it's no uh, one wants an MLS cup more than Roger. I'd say that <laughs> you mentioned Melia needs one, but Roger needs one. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a good, you know, the good thing about SKC is I think there, there is that track record of like, we'll, we'll figure out a way to get you there somehow. Uh, it's just a question of when. So mentioning the attacking side too, you mentioned Polito. We've talked some about him um, in a small sample size. He played 12 matches last year. He started 11, grabbed six goals and five assists. Is he somebody that's going to become a prolific attacker in this league? Do you see him taking that next step and really showing what he's made of? Yeah. I mean, you, you said six and five. I mean, that's in 11 games. That means he made an impact it's in insane. every game. So, right. I mean, it's uh, I think he could be a premier attacker. I, I worry about him getting a little, little homesick maybe. I mean, I, I you hate to hear him going back, uh, back to Mexico and playing there, but uh, we got him for the time being. And I hope he, I hope he shows a lot this year. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's clear when we watched Polito last year that the talent and the quality that he has is, is far and away better than any number nine sporting case he's ever had, probably than any forward sporting case he's ever had. He would had. embarrass people. He would just turn on them <laughs> and they'd be like, Oh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah. And well, and that's, what's so interesting is, is he's a number nine, but he, he, all, he can drop almost more into like a number 10 type position and, and his holdup plays really well. His field vision is amazing. I'm really excited to see him and Gattikina get more time together because, because they both are very creative players and, and sort of build that chemistry. I think he can do it. The, the, the issue just is, you know, sporting KC historically has a bad habit of taking like 35 shots on, you know, in a game and like three of them are on target and, and they'll get frustrated if, if they start uh, having trouble breaking down the final third and they'll just start whipping and crosses. And, and that's not the type of player that Polito is. If, if Johnny and Kyrie just have to resort to whipping and crosses and hoping Polito can find a head on it, it's not going to work well, uh, but we'll see. Like, I mean, Dan brings up a good point. He came to Kansas City, which is a very cool city. He just hasn't been able to do anything really because all yeah. of 2020 has been, been locked basically down. in lockdown. Think about so. that. Then we had a hell of a blizzard for a few weeks, and it was like, I, I bet he's so depressed right now. It's got to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes well. I, th- I think I think it'll be fine. It's just a matter of getting that consistency. But if he gets that barbecue, I mean, that is really hard to, mm-hmm. to leave that barbecue in Kansas City. <laughs> I mean, exactly. we try to mock it here in Florida with like Kansas City barbecue. I'm like, that's not that, that's not close. No, they don't know a thing no, about Kansas idea. City barbecue until they get here. Yeah. So, Jordan, you got up another one. Yeah, yeah. You, you talked about the, uh, m- you know, the mistakes in the back, the defensive lapses, um, which seem to be from the outside looking in uncharacteristic for a Peter Vermees side. He's been there forever. Um, seems like they've usually been pretty decent in that regard. Uh, do you, and you said you're not really worried about the defense going forward. Do you think that he will have that ironed out uh, as they start the season for 2021? I would yeah. hope so. I mean, with the additions back there and, and maybe Amadou Diaz on the left wing, maybe uh, uh, Luis. Oh God. What's Luis, Luis Martin? Martins? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah uh Zeus is going to come back eventually maybe Jalen Lindsay steps in there for a bit but you think he'd have to have it ironed out because Peter Vermees is a defender at heart 
I mean, he, it's right. where he knows he needs to focus first because that's his first line of, of, of defense. So, I think the biggest thing for the back line last year was just there was virtually no consistency game to game. Like whether it was because of injuries or, or, you know, people weren't in form or what, it was just like, there was like a stretch of, I don't know how many games where every single time it was a different back line and it's tough. And, and Tim can't get used to where his, uh, the center backs are lining up or whatnot. Uh, it just, there were too many times where the line wasn't in sync and we were leaving people on side when they shouldn't have been, or, or, you know, it just, consistency was was the biggest problem for the defense last year there we have a new center back and uh I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name Nicholas Isamat Mirin he's a, a French guy and we have our new midfielder in, in Remy Walter who is probably going to push for the starting number six spot is, is what it's sounding like uh, with with Ilya so you know if you if you have a, a midfielder who's, who's maybe got a little bit more athletic ability ability than Ilya and you have a consistent back line you're probably going to solve a lot of those mental lapses that led to so many of the late goals last year that caused problems. Right. And soccer's not like other sports. I mean, you can throw different lineups into a basketball game and they're fine. They're good to go. But something about soccer, like you have to be on a different wavelength. You have to know where your center back's going to go because he's done it a million times before. All of a sudden you got a new center back in there and it's like, do I pass to him? Kind of scared. <laughs> not sure if I should. Yeah. Right. So do you think any of those guys are locks back there? Or is it, it seems like an open battle for a couple of those yeah. positions and kind of a question mark is whether, you know, he, Dan mentioned Susie coming back, but is that something that is sustainable to keep relying on Graham Zusi who's getting older and has some of those injuries? I think Zusi's a lock, man. I think he's, he's timeless. I think when he comes back, he's in there. Jimmy will shake his head and kind of roll his eyes on it. <laughs> but Zeus is going to come back in and Jalen Lindsay's going to be like, well, I guess I'll go back to my bench spot, I guess. But everyone else, I think it's up for grabs. See, the one I think is, the, I think center back's actually more locked in than, than either of the the, the mm-hmm. outside, the fullbacks. I think the center back's going to be Roberto Puncic and Isamat Mirin. Uh, they, they they brought in Isamat Mirin to, to replace Beasler. Uh SKC fans are going to riot if Andre Ufanta starts back there. There's a storied history with how much hey, people are frustrated, had some good frustrated games. by Andre Ufantas. Um, Graham Smith, is he still on the roster, Dan? I don't even remember. I think we picked up his his uh, option. He's another center back option who's had some some uh, some experience, but I think it's going to be Ismael Mirren and Puchetch. I think Jalen Lindsay has a pretty good opportunity here to lock down that right back spot depending on how the start of the season goes because Zussi is not going to be back for the start of the season he's still rehabbing so if Jalen Lindsay can show something there's opportunity there left back anyone's guess uh, it could be Amadou Dia he looked real good at times last year and then he had a shocker of a playoff game when we got uh, knocked out so it's going to be between him and, and uh, Luis Martins but I 50 50. Um, I did just have a question too, just about uh, Peter Vermees says uh, just going forward as well. You know, he's been there forever. Uh, do you ever foresee any circumstance that would make him leave? Not like maybe even getting fired, but just uh, is, do you think there's any other job that Vermees would ever be offered uh, that he would want to go to? I, I can't see him at another MLS club, but uh, do you think uh, he's 54? Do you think he ever even gets a chance uh, anywhere else in the, in the world here? U.S. men's national team would be. Man, the one I've listened for. to yes. a few. Yeah, I can see that. 
Well, yeah, but I, I've listened to a few podcasts where he's talked about that on different uh, avenues and everything. That uh, He's been asked about the U.S. men's national team. He likes to work. I don't know why he's so crazy about it. He, he likes to be involved. <laughs> and with U.S. men's national team, he wouldn't be completely involved. He has right, two you don't titles. go in every day. Yeah, right. He, he has two titles with SKC. He's signing players and he's coaching a team. Like he has full creative control. And that's right. it's kind of insane to think about because not many teams do that. But he was fully intent on moving back to Jersey where him and his wife are from. Well, they've been here forever now. They set up roots. They raised kids. They love it here. So I, I don't know. It'd be tough to, to find the right money uh, to get him to go. And probably the men's national team would have to be big money, you know? He's going into his 13th year as manager mm-hmm. of, of Sporting KC. He's the longest tenured manager in MLS right now. But played I, I, for another, what, six? Play, yeah, I mean, he's the only manager in MLS to have won an MLS Cup as a player and a manager for the, the same team, which is kind of cool. Um, he he's, all, he's never been shy about talking about how he might want to coach the U.S. men's national team one day. But like Dan said, the, the conditions have to be right. Uh, he he was rumored before Baralter got the job as as being connected to the job, and he was asked about it a couple times at SKC press conferences, and he kind of ripped U.S. soccer because he, he was like denied it, right? I don't even know if he denied it so much as he just was like, I've had conversations with them just about I care about U.S. soccer. I was a U.S. soccer men's national team player, and he kind of just was like, nobody seems to know what is going on, and and he he, he didn't like the lack of direction and the lack of leadership, and it was pretty clear that like let's say they had offered him the job on the spot there, he I don't know if he would have taken it without a lot of guarantees as far as well then this has to change, this has to change, and that has to change because. He, he likes things a certain way and he likes that he has built sporting KC as a club, not just the senior team, like in totality from the youth system on up in his image, exactly how he wants it. And that's why sporting KC has signed like whatever it is now, 14 homegrown players, even though yeah. a lot of them haven't seen the field yet with the senior team. It's because Peter Vermees has built a system exactly how he wants to with the eventual goal of fielding a team of all homegrowns, which right. why is would you leave? goal. But. Why would you leave that situation? I mean, this is your baby. You are, you are the right. captain of this ship. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, I don't think I could see him. Uh, I think he's too old right now to even go to Europe uh, at this point. Um, and I, I, like you said, I just don't see why you would leave. I mean, they've had one year recently where they missed the playoffs, right? In 2019. Um, before that, I don't even know the last time they would have missed. It was like 11 playoffs. straight years or 10 yeah, it was, years. It was a long time. So, yeah, it definitely seems like he's got it uh, got it made pretty good over there. Um, so the last question we usually ask our guests here is, uh, what would be a successful season for Sporting Kansas City in 2021? We spoke on this the other day about, uh, and we were kind of in agreement with it when we said, I think just making the playoffs, whether it's squeezing in at the, the fifth and sixth spot, just just getting in seems successful given our current roster size. Right, Jim? Yeah, so it's it's weird. I think there's there's maybe a little difference between what we should expect for this club this year and what fans would consider a success for the club this year. And I think that's where it gets a little nuanced. I think expectations objectively looking at the roster right now if maybe a sixth or seventh seed in the west like like we said i feel pretty decent about the starting 11 but with schedule congestion and everything they're not going to be able to play every game and and it's just there's too too many unknowns for for the reserves to know to to be able to make a prediction that it's going to be much better than that 
Now, if you were to ask the average SKC fan, hey, Sporting KC makes the playoffs, they lose in the first round on, on a road playoff game, is that a success in 2021? You're going to find hardly anybody that would say that because Sporting KC has been used to battling for trophies. And, and even though we had that long sustained playoff run and there was the MLS Cup win in there, there were also a number of years where it's like, okay, Sporting KC gets in the playoffs and then loses on the road. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people started getting a little tired of not having home playoff games and not progressing farther into uh, the deeper rounds of the playoffs. So, you know. Yeah, you had the Portland penalty shootout, wasn't that? There was the uh, double post game. Yeah, the double yeah. post, yeah. God. That, and, of course, Portland went on to go win MLS Cup that year. Right. Um, and then when we made the Western Conference Finals against Portland uh, a couple years, 2018, Sebastian Blanco hit a stunner of a goal that, that ended up knocking us out and, and you know, Portland ended up losing to Atlanta. I just, and that was a bad year, man. We could have gone on and given Atlanta a, a game. Mm-hmm. But Portland went over there and was like, "Hey, we're Portland. We're not great." And yeah. <laughs> lost, so. uh, I just, I think, um, I think SKC needs to win at least one playoff game this year for it to be remotely considered a success by fans. But good point. Is that realistic? Maybe not. I don't know. It's tough to say without some roster improvements. All right. Well, that, uh, that's, uh, that's all the questions we have. Um, so thank you guys for jumping back on for us today. Oh yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was a blast. Yeah. yeah. We're always down to talk some SKC soccer. Oh yeah. We'll be glad to have you back later on this season and talk about yeah. what's going on over there in Kansas city. We oh, didn't yeah. even talk about poop on your show. I know. <laughs> if you guys want to pitch that, you guys are more than welcome to pitch the, the bidet. Uh, the bidet story is fantastic. And if you guys want to go ahead, plug that story. Tell us a little bit about that before we leave. I'm a little interested in this poop. We, uh, which, I'm going to let Dan. Which story? We got multiple. That's the thing. <laughs> that tells you what you need to know about our podcast. We have multiple poop stories. Right. Yeah. We, we do have, we do have potty talk on there. So, <laughs> um, it, if any of your listeners are in the market for a bidet <laughs> and you should be because it'll change your life, uh, com slash no other, you can get 10% off a bidet. And let me tell you, it's amazing. Dude, um, it's like a car wash, man. It's like a, just a jet stream. Have you guys used one? Logan? Jordan? No. Oh yeah. I've used one in Europe. It's, oh, uh, it's Europe? an experience. Dude. These yeah. are just little bidet attachments. They're like hundred dollars maybe 110 really for like a, a even a cheaper if you yeah well let's you know we're not all you know mr money bags like dan over here oh, you so. got to get the hot water attachment dude why wouldn't you get the hot water attachment <laughs> it's refreshing dude you get that going and it's just you just sit there you don't even buy toilet paper anymore just to just to pat it dry you know it's great comes yeah. in handy and uh at the beginning of the whole covet outbreak yeah, where everybody right. was that's what yeah. i'm talking about and, and at first one. at first you do it and you're like i think i just lost my virginity like it was weird but uh it, it gets better it gets better and you're clean as a whistle you could eat dinner off that bad boy yeah so uh, <laughs> i think i'll leave that to you guys doing that over there. <laughs> but yeah hello toshi.com slash no other you'll get 10 percent off and uh, if you want to hear our other poop story when dan got kidnapped in high school and pooped his pants you can come over and, and yeah. check out no other pod yeah it's a it's a fantastic story for the oh, listeners man. out there probably the hardest i've laughed at a podcast for a really long time <laughs> i can't believe that actually happened there's <laughs> Probably a lot of suppressed trauma on my end that I that I mask with humor. I'm just like, ah, oh, this is so funny. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. But again, we appreciate you guys coming on. We look forward to talking to you guys and good luck to Sporting Kansas City and best of luck with all that you're doing. It's fantastic work. We really appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. You as well.
And that was, once again, Jimmy Mack and Dan Kuzer from No Other Pod covering Sporting Kansas City. That's at JCMack03 for Jimmy Mack and at Dan Kuzer, K-O-O-S-E-R for the Twitter handle there, at Dan Kuzer. And No Other Pod, at No Other Pod. Uh, so, Logan, I guess I'll let you go first here. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, how that went and your thoughts on Sporting Kansas City as we get ready to start the 2021 season? Yeah, no, it, it was a blast. I, I really enjoyed interviewing those guys from the other pod. Uh, Dan and Jimmy were great. They were very knowledgeable and, and talking us through a Sporting Kansas City team that I think, you know, when you look at the roster and you look at the, the overhaul, I guess, um, they, they didn't really add as much as I think that they needed to, but I think that some of the pieces that they added back into the squad after losing some of their key players that have been with the club for a long time, um, it's kind of a weird year. It's like maybe like kind of a transition year, a team that performed, I think, uh, maybe outperformed their expectations uh, in, in 2020, and I think that finishing first had a lot to do with maybe a lighter schedule. Um, and you know what Jimmy and them said, I think that, one big thing, one key takeaway from what I gathered from them is that the, just the inconsistencies of the team, especially in the defense, ended up being a lot of what happened that went wrong with this Sporting Kansas City team. But I do think that, you know, there's some stability added back in when you talk about Graham Zuzzi coming back and you talk about these new additions that they've made uh, in these battles in those back spots, uh, especially left back and right back. But again, I, I you know, I think... With Sporting Kansas City, there's definitely some big question marks, and if those question marks are good answers, then I think that this could end up being a pretty good squad. Yeah, this is one that uh, I, I think you were a little bit more down on them before the uh, interview than than I was, uh, just from experience. Like we mentioned uh, on there, you know, Peter Ramis' team has not really missed the playoffs much, uh, maybe only that one time. Uh, in 2019. Uh, so for me, I think he's going to have them, uh, you know, kind of whipped into shape. I think that they're going to be better defensively this, this, this year than they were last year. Like, like they said, I don't think that'll happen again. And, you know, Peter Vermees is the, geez, one of the best coaches in MLS history that I think that he will have them ready to go. And if Alan Polito, uh, you know, plays a good chunk of the season he's he's going to be one of the best strikers in the league so for me this is a team to watch out for they may not finish first in the west uh you know lafc if they rebound are probably up there for me but i can see them totally grabbing uh, anywhere between two through six is, is what i think seattle's yeah, I think going to regress reasonable. a bit seattle's going to regress right. a bit i think without jordan morris um you know, they, they'll have to replace him, uh, not just because he left for Swansea, but now he's also got the injury. So, um, yeah, so for me, I, I think that uh, it is a question mark a bit. They could, like I said, the West right now, I think, can pretty much you can put in almost any order from one through seven or one through eight, you know, yeah, it's uh, crazy. at this point. So, uh, but I'm I'm still pretty high on them. Like I, like I said, I mean, I just have so much respect for this organization. Um the coaching staff, the ownership, the, the the rebrand they went through all those years ago. It's just, for me, I think that this is definitely, uh, you know, one of the premier uh, teams in the league when we look at, like, class organizations and such. So uh, I, I don't expect them to be down for the count uh, this year either. 
Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, you know, I think playoffs is obviously what happens. I think it's a competitive West, which is definitely something that they've got to take into consideration when they're playing some of these bigger teams that that they'll have a hard time, I think, with. But I, you know, I the the one thing, like you said, I think it that for me, I think they finished three to six. Um, I think that that's pretty reasonable uh, for them, and I think that you know some of these battles might be good in these defensive positions because I do think that the left back and the right back, um, some of those problems that might occur there might be fixed by the competition that they bring in. I do think it's interesting if Buzio does leave, I think you're you're losing a player that is a prolific attacker, especially in this league. And I know he's young and, and he's had a small sample of, of games to, to play in the MLS, but I was just so impressed with the skills that he had and, and and reading and watching some of the highlights of him that the team would, they would miss him. Uh, they'd get a lot of money, uh, which they could then go and spend. But again, I, I still think they're an addition or two away because they lost pretty much all depth that they had, uh, especially in the attack. I think that's, that's something that you need to consider as far as like, if something happens to one of these guys that are a little bit older, um, you know, if they get hurt, if the, you know, the striker does end up, if Polito does end up getting to a point where he's homesick and wants to return to Mexico, or if, you know, different players don't pan out or get hurt for stretches of time, this team's going to struggle with some depth, I think. Yeah, I will say I have a different take on Fuzio. I, I just from what I've seen of him and his impact on the team, I don't think they would actually miss him much if he did leave. Um, especially if they do get the money that they're asking for, they'd really be able to reinvest that into the team. But uh, I haven't been super impressed with Buzio uh, overall. So uh, maybe that'll be a cold take by the end of this, uh, <laughs> at the end of the hot take, I guess, at this point. <laughs> by the end of the season. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I don't really think there's much else to cover with the team. I do think it's interesting, you know, that they you know, that they kind of mentioned that they need to, that the fans would probably think that, you know, that the team as a whole would think the playoffs would be a win, uh, but that the fans may be demanding a little bit more. And I can understand why, right? Like they've won three open cups. Uh, they actually beat the union at one. Uh, they won MLS cup in 2013, but they haven't really, for a team that was consistently good and consistently pushing as one of the best teams in the West, they really, I think, need another MLS Cup or two to really cement that status. Agreed. I totally agree with that. All right. Well, if you want to give us a follow, you can reach us at Stateside Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us, StatesideShow at gmail.com. We got the YouTube page that's going to be launching soon, so just keep an eye out for that. That's going to be added to our link tree, which is also in the show notes. And is also linked on our Twitter, so you can find it all there. And uh, coming up next, uh, we have uh, Portland. So we're going to have Portland. That's going to drop probably on Monday. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but thank you everybody for listening, and have a great rest of your weekend. Tomorrow, throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans abroad, 
MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.